0: Hello everyone, I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlan, and this is New Tricks for Old Dogs. Our podcast features the many ways us older folks howl at the moon, odd news items you don't normally hear about, and conversations with other old dogs who are growing bolder, not older.
1: So if you've got 25 minutes or so, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. We're going
0: to start off this
1: episode with a different
0: kind of ramble, this time with Paul's daughter, Savannah. This 20-year-old quizzes us on how much we know about Gen Z slang. We'll talk about the madness gripping shoppers during the pandemic. We'll uncover the truth about the so-called weaker sex. We'll acquaint you with a fresh batch of nutty neologisms, and we'll explore the globe from our living rooms. In the Old Dog's interview, we'll visit with Diane Grizel, the author of the Silver Disobedience blog. Stay with us.
1: My daughter Savannah is 20, and she thinks that I'm hopelessly uninformed about the language of Gen Z. So I've invited her to give Jim and I a test of our relevance by quizzing us about slang in everyday use by her generation.
0: Well, here goes nothing.
2: <laughs> All right. So the first word I have here is extra. It's an adjective.
1: Extra. I, I would like to hear it in a sense.
2: All right. So. Uh, she bedazzled her Louis Vuittons. She's extra as hell.
1: Jim. Extra would be, uh, like, really with it, on top of it, fashionable. Yes? No? Jim?
0: I think that it means a bit more than just with it. I think that it means you're at the leading edge.
2: Very close. It means over-the-top excessive or dramatic behavior. Oh. Close. Okay. Close. Y'all yeah. got close. All right,
1: we'll take a lap for that. Next one, next one.
2: <laughs> okay, okay. Word two I have here is pressed. It's also an adjective.
1: And in a sentence?
2: All right, in a sentence. She really expects me to forgive her after everything she said. You know what? I'm pressed.
1: Pressed. I wonder if that's a a short uh, for impressed or depressed. (laughs) Okay. We'll go with that.
2: Okay. Um, Well, it means being extremely irritated by someone. Okay. Or oh. something, or even a situation.
1: Yeah, that's close enough. We'll take another <laughs> <one to> correct <laughs> for that one. Go Actually, ahead. Next yeah, word. I, I okay. win.
2: The next word I have is lit. It's also an adjective.
1: All right. Here's in a sentence.
2: In a sentence? All right. There's going to be a crazy rager at Lauren's tonight. It's going to be lit.
0: Oh.
1: Lit. Okay. It's going to be... Uh, exciting? Uh, the, exciting, the place to be.
2: Yes! Oh, wow. Okay. That was, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty good.
1: Jim, we're, we're doing okay as a partnership here.
2: It's also used as a term to, uh, describe someone who's mildly intoxicated.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, and that's very old. Like that, or, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs>
2: yeah, Okay. An old term. All right. Bringing one back. Yeah. All right. So the next word I have here, um, is go off. It's technically a phrase, but
1: mm-hmm. to go off, but
2: it's usually used as a verb.
1: Yeah, Uh, well. To go off on somebody is to lose your temper, right? Yeah, sounds like it.
2: Yes, yes. But the way um, our Gen Zers use it is, uh, like, what? We're going to fight Bethany in the Walmart parking lot? Sounds like a mistake, but go off, I guess.
1: Oh, knock yourself out.
2: Yeah, like knock Uh, yourself out. Yeah. Oh, oh. Okay.
1: Yeah, I guess I wasn't close on that one either. Keep going. All we're right. doing so badly. I don't think, Jim, we're going to be hanging out with this generation. Much.
2: Y'all, y'all are doing much better than I thought you would. Oh, oh yeah. thanks
1: a lot. Yeah. Next.
2: <laughs> okay. So I have uh, our next word is salty. It's also an adjective. Would you like to hear it in a sentence? Uh, yeah. You're going to talk to the manager? All right, Karen, don't be salty.
1: Don't use swear Salt. words. <clears throat> Uh, sounds like maybe short for insulting salty salty is that is that your guess that uh, i don't know is that my guess yes yes
2: Yes. (laughs) okay so it's the act of being upset over something unimportant it's usually used as a replacement for bitter
0: hmm okay that's a zero for us
1: (laughs) (laughs) jim i think we better just have one more this is (laughs) too humiliating
2: (laughs) all right bro my last one i have for you guys is big oof it is a phrase slash onomatopoeia
0: mm. big oof yeah somebody big. fell down and hurt themselves
1: it was a big oof <laughs> <laughs> all right that's uh, that's our answer what
0: what um, is
2: it you want to hear it in a sentence
1: sure of course
2: your vape made one of your lungs collapse that's a big oof <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a, a big bad thing i hate that <laughs> sentence for starters
1: yeah <laughs> okay um, what is it
2: so it's a replacement for expressing pain discomfort or astonishment it's also a way to announce you've just witnessed someone fail or get called out yeah oh well, that could be applied you know, to if us
1: some, if we'd had some time we could have thought that one out yeah yeah i jim i don't think you and i should hang out with 20 year olds i think? i
0: think it's all a big oof for us
1: oh, <laughs> that was good the pandemic has seen a big jump in online buying, which in part could be attributed to shopping well bored. This pod nugget is from the Houston Chronicle E edition for May 27th, 2020.
0: Jeff Gallick, a marketing professor at Carnegie Mellon, said shopping as therapy has been shown to reduce negative moods and boost overall happiness. Well, I can vouch for that. The big downside, however, is that such relief is very short-lived. That good feeling very quickly dissipates, and I can vouch well, for that, I know too. Well, it hangs
1: in there for me quite a while. <laughs> for some, shopping madness has been about grocery store essentials in giant sizes you wouldn't normally buy. Usually, sane people are buying 10-pound bags of rice, 25 pounds of flour, and maybe 50 pounds of sugar. And what about that toilet paper shortage earlier in the pandemic
0: the burst of dopamine from purchasing something anything can overrule your common sense
1: one lady in san diego misread the description of a game and ended up with several rubber chickens she thought it was a form of badminton but it was just throwing rubber chickens at a target
0: anyway the panic buying the overbuying the emotional buying aren't unique to this kind of world shaking event The difference is that we are trapped in our homes with lots of time on our hands, and the siren call of online shopping is offering some brief happiness. Once you've made your purchase, you can add to the excitement by tracking your package daily until it arrives. And if it's coming from China, you could have weeks of anticipation before your rubber chickens arrive.
1: Oh, I have done that. The screen will say, we will ship tomorrow. (laughs) Only they don't tell you they're shipping from halfway around the world.
0: Yeah, I guess you're going to have to decide if the upside is worth the downside. The female Amazon warriors of Greek myth may have actually lived, according to recent archaeological evidence. This item is from the Washington Post for December thirty first, 2019.
1: In a startling discovery that was recently revealed, archaeologists dug up the remains of four female warriors buried with a cache of weapons and horseback riding equipment. The location was a tomb in Western Russia, right where ancient Greek stories placed the Amazons.
0: And all this time I thought it was in South America. Uh, The women were identified as Scythian nomads, buried some 2,500 years ago. The women ranged in age from early teens to late 40s. The oldest was wearing a golden headdress that indicated stature in her community. This was the first time multiple generations of Scythian women were found buried together.
1: According to Adrian Mayer, who authored a book on Amazon Warriors, the findings suggest that young girls were trained early on, just like boys, to ride horses and use bow and arrows. It was an egalitarian society.
0: Mayer explained that in these small tribes on the harsh steppes of western Russia, it made sense that every single person had to have the same skills and competence to defend the tribe as necessary. It confirms that these women were warriors throughout their lives.
1: In light of these findings, we can probably quit calling women the weaker sex. Also, the controversy over whether women should be allowed in combat is moot. After all, it was resolved 2,500 years ago on the steps of Russia.
0: Yeah, I got to tell you that I'm not the kind of guy that would call women the weaker sex. I might get beat up for it.
1: Well, I'm I'm just thinking, do I really want my wife to be armed with a bow and arrow? (laughs) That could shorten a lot of arguments. The Washington Post has published the winners of this year's Neologism Contest. Now, the contest is not serious. It involves a new funny definition for a word in common usage. And here are some examples.
0: Okay coffee, a noun, the person upon whom someone coughs.
1: Flabbergasted, adjective, appalled over how much weight you've gained.
0: Lymph, a verb, to walk with a lisp.
1: Gargoyle, a noun olive flavored mouthwash
0: <laughs> flatulence emergency vehicle that picks you up after you are run over by a steamroller
1: balderdash a noun a rapidly receding hairline
0: <laughs> pokemon a rastafarian proctologist
1: frisbyterianism a noun the belief that when you die your soul flies up onto the roof and gets <laughs> stuck there In addition,
0: the Washington Post Style Invitational asks readers to take a word from the dictionary and alter it by one letter, then come up with a definition to the altered word. Now, here are some examples.
1: Sarcasm. Noun. The gulf between the author of sarcastic wit and the person who doesn't get it.
0: inoculate, To take coffee intravenously when you are running late.
1: libido, Verb. All talk (laughs) and no action.
0: Arachnoleptic fit, the frantic dance performed just after you've accidentally walked through a spider web.
1: Caterpillar, noun, the color you turn after finding half a grub in the fruit that you're eating. And the pick of the
0: literature goes to. <laughs> Ignoranus, a noun, a person who is both stupid and an asshole.
1: Now, I have known some <laughs> of those in my life. <laughs>
0: If you're getting hungry for travel, consider seeing the world virtually from your living room. The travel locations in this Pog Nugget are suggested by the website Thrillist.com.
1: If you love travel but don't want to get on crowded planes, you can always do your traveling on the Internet. Thrillist.com has an article titled Virtual Travel Experiences that Let You Explore the World from Your Living Room. You could strike out on your own, guided by a search engine and your imagination, but... You know, this article is a good starting point with tons of links for interesting locations. Here are some examples.
0: You could take a trip across Japan. You won't see the Olympics, but just about everything else. Bamboo forests, sushi making, a Tokyo scramble crossing, a Kyoto cat cafe, and of course lots of cherry blossoms. What What is a oh, scramble man, uh, crossing? Is that to do with eggs?
1: Oh, <laughs> the scramble crossing in Tokyo is when you can cross in all directions. So. Oh, Not not for me, thanks. It's insane looking. (laughs) How about hiking the Great Wall of China? Mm -hmm. The virtual tour spans six and a half miles of some of the best scenery in the area educational material accompanies a great views and if your feet get virtually tired well just lean back in your recliner oh
0: i love it you can also see mount everest from a helicopter don't worry about getting in shape and lining up with your sherpas beef jerky and oxygen tanks to experience the view
1: You can also tour dozens of World Heritage sites, visit some of the world's best beaches, catch a display of northern lights, spend a few hours at the world's most celebrated museums, and visit all our national parks without fear of mosquitoes or pitching a tent. (laughs) It is virtually the best way to travel for now.
0: Now See, this is the way I have always preferred to travel, Paul. I mean, I I get better views, better picture. You know, I mean, what's not to like?
1: Jim, you're just a (laughs) cheapskate.
0: I am cheap. Diane Grisell founded Silver Disobedience in November 2017 with the belief that every age is relevant and that aging is the process whereby we get to know ourselves and others more deeply and with greater kindness over time. This getting to know ourselves with greater kindness is what she writes about daily.
1: Let's jump right in. I'll tell you the first question, Diane, Was there a particular incident or a moment in your life when you decided to start blogging?
3: There was two things converged at the same time. Well, first off, I've spent the past 25 years working as a perception analyst, advising publicly traded companies on really critical issues and messaging before it went out to the public at large. So when I was 57, my, best friend, who's 20 years older than me, ended up in the hospital. And I was invited to be a model with Wilhelmina, a very unexpected oh, yeah. turn. So I thought, oh my gosh, my clients are going to think she's having a midlife crisis. What the <laughs> heck's going on? <laughs> because I had to start posting pictures on Instagram.
1: Ah, So I see. So that started you on the blogging. Was it kind of tough at first?
3: Well, you know, when I was sitting in the hospital room with my friend is when I wrote my first blog, because she's 20 years older than me, I'm 60, she's going to be 80 this year, and she didn't look like anyone I knew when she was in the hospital bed, very sick. She's fine now, but she was very sick, and it really made me start to think about, was age a number or an attitude? And when I wrote a first blog about that, over 2,500 people responded. Wow. Yeah.
0: And what type of people responded, those initial responders? What were they like?
3: You know, my initial responders were in the, I would say, 50-plus age crowd. Um, Now, however, it fascinates me that I have a 13-year-old boy I know about, and I've got a 103-year-old woman. (laughs) Who, reads, who read my blog. And I've got kindergarten teachers and college professors who say, can I have your permission to use your blog as a writing prompt? So it's very interesting how that discussion has expanded.
1: Wow. So is, is there a particular time of the day when you sit down to write your blog, when your inspiration is at its height?
3: It's a combo of things. Sometimes I'm very consistent with no matter what. I get up every morning very early before everyone else and I write first thing in the morning. And so that's my standard routine. Now that may or may not be the blog I publish because even having a conversation with you guys, something triggers or a walk down the sidewalk in New York and I'll hear someone say something that I say, that's my next topic. It's usually a one-liner that triggers the prompt. Right.
0: So apparently the old writer's question, where do you get your ideas, really is all you've just answered it. You would never run out of ideas if you approach it that
3: way. Exactly. As long as you're listening to people, like the other day I was speaking with a, a very long established radio host who's a good girlfriend of mine, and she said to me, I'm not sure where things are going, but I'm going to keep with that idea of field of dreams. I'm going to build it and it will come. And she said, so what I have to do is let go of the how and stay in the now of just what can I do right now? It's an interesting phrase to hear that. I said, that's a blog. Do I have your permission to quote you on, you know, let go of the how.
1: (laughs) That's a real shift of your mindset, and I sympathize with this because I find that everything I look at is is a, a subject for our podcast. It's changed my perception of how I read, how I interact with people. My, the difference is I, I need to carry around a notebook. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. you're, not at, you're not at that point yet.
3: <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm always writing little notes down to myself. If, if I could show you my desk right now, you'd say... That looks like a very unorganized mind, but I've got all kinds of piles in every direction. Is it a health idea? Is it a self-improvement idea? Is it just plain inspiration for communicating better? So I'm always making my piles of different ideas.
0: Well, that leads me to a question about the title of your blog, The Silver Disobedience uh, Blog, and uh, I get it, Um, but what are you hoping to communicate by Your definition of disobedience, what do you hope to accomplish by using that term?
3: Well, when it began, it was a play on words. Obviously, I have silver hair. And then it was the concept of civil disobedience, which was speak up and say what you want to say, but you don't have to be violent in the process. Get your message across peacefully. So what I wanted to get across was that age does not make anyone irrelevant or obsolete. So the principle behind silver disobedience began first acknowledging, let's say people over age 50, which I'm one of, I'm 60. So acknowledging people over age 50 that you, you didn't just become obsolete. You're just as relevant as you always were. So I can't just point to my head. I have to tell you that relevance is in our heads and, and in our hearts. So that is the core of where it began.
1: Are there some topics that you uh, consciously avoid?
3: Um, I don't get into politics. I think there are plenty of places where people can talk about politics. And the reason I don't, because some people have questioned it, why don't I? I come from the space of everything I write about is focus on yourself. Now, initially, that may sound selfish, or self-absorbed. But when we focus on ourselves and improving ourselves, we're a lot less quick to point a finger at what other people need to do. And I grew up in a house, my mother's 90, and she always said, improvement begins in your own backyard. Focus on yourself and what you can do in your immediate world before you start telling everyone else what they should do. Because it takes a lot of work to do that.
1: We've made a similar choice. We've decided to avoid politics or Mm -hmm. anything that's divisive because that's not what we're about.
3: And, And I wholeheartedly agree. And I believe most people come from a place of we all just want to get along. Initially, I had to enforce the rule of if you have a criticism, make it come from yourself of what you need to work on you know, what you are trying to improve on, not what other people do. And I have to say, I mean, I have thousands and thousands of people, hundreds of thousands, almost a million people a week that engage with my blog. And they always say, this is such a nice, safe place. I love that I'm not going to worry about getting attacked. And when you can be who you are, Without worrying that you're going to say something, that someone's going to come right on with an attack, you grow, you learn. A conversation can take place. There was somebody one time who said, you know, we need to get back to that state of like an old Western where all the cowboys and the good guys and the bad guys left their guns outside the saloon and came in, had a drink and had a conversation. It's the same kind of environment I want.
0: Yeah, really, I think a lot of us long for that opportunity. Changing the subject, Diane, you know that uh, many of us at this particular stage in life are either in retirement or contemplating retirement or afraid to even contemplate retirement. Do you have any particular advice for people who are in that situation?
3: I think it's really important that you spend a considerable amount of time thinking about what retirement means to you. When you first think of retirement, a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to have all this free time. Well, free time actually can make people pretty nervous and uncomfortable. And you have to get comfortable with that idea that all of a sudden you don't have a schedule. So the first thing would be to really think about what does retirement look like to you? Is it that You're just going to relax and sit on your porch and watch the world around you. Do you have the money to travel? Do you want to work in something different? I know a lot of people who have retired and said, you know what? I always loved taking a dance class or I always loved um, tinkering in my own house. And now they're handymen in other people's houses. And then there are the people that just flat out retire and look for that four o'clock in the afternoon cocktail a regular party every day. It's all good. I think you just have to decide what fits you and think about it before the moment hits.
0: Do you see that this is ever going to change an end game that you would contemplate or do you just plan on going until the steam runs out?
3: Oh boy, that's a really good question. Um, First of all, I spend a lot of time trying to make sure I stay healthy because I want to have the energy for the long haul. My feeling is as long as I have the energy and people want to keep listening to what I write about and responding, I'll probably keep doing that. Whether I'll keep modeling around, you know, I never thought I'd be a model. I mean, that was a big surprise at 57. Um, when I went to the meeting at Wilhelmina, I told my husband when he asked, where are you going all dressed up? I said to the shortest meeting in the history of business meeting. But, <laughs> You know, I went anyway, (laughs) and it worked out well. (laughs) So I guess you have to take it one step at a time.
0: Like what you've been hearing? How about sharing the joy with your friends? We can always use more listeners.
1: All our episodes are available on our website, www.olddogspodcast.com. And while you're there, why don't you drop us a comment? Tell us how we're doing. It's helpful. So stay tuned and keep howling at the moon.